Hi everyone, what's going on? I'm Coach Mike and welcome to this episode of the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, so today we're gonna switch it up just a little bit. We've been talking about the seed of MindFit, what it is, where it came from, how it came to be, how to start implementing it. But today we're gonna talk about something a little different. And actually today is gonna be part one of a two-part series on a topic that honestly can be a little uncomfortable for people to talk about. And, you know, it's going to be a little uncomfortable for me to talk about this. I'm going to share some stories about, you know, some, some periods of my life where I definitely went through some, some challenges. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's something that everyone kind of expects from, somebody, from other people, but they don't always hold themselves accountable on this regarding themselves. And this episode is going to be about personal responsibility and how us as parents and teachers and educators taking our own personal responsibility in the world of health and exercise plays an incredibly large role for our kids. So let's cue the intro and I'll be right back. So the giant question is this, how do we as parents, teachers, school administrators, policymakers, coaches, how do we prepare our kids for a future that doesn't yet exist, all while making them healthier, more creative, more innovative, better problem solvers, and overall successful contributors to society? That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Coach Mike, and welcome to the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, so here's kind of where this episode came from. Not too long ago, I was scrolling on social media, had a few spare minutes of the day, and was scrolling through some of the posts from my, uh, from my friends on Facebook. And one of my friends posted something, and I don't know where this came from. So if you are the person who wrote this you know, little meme, uh, I apologize. I did not know who you were. But they posted something that hit. It was like, wow, that is intense. It is brutal. It is concise. It is exactly what so many people that I know need to hear. And... The meme that they posted was this. They said, uh, the meme said, I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, Every parent says that they would die for their child. But the real question is, will they live healthy for them? That's intense, right? It's it's crazy. And I know so many people like that. So many people that are like, oh my gosh, I would die for my kids. And they would. I do not doubt in any second, you know, at all that they would not... um, you know, take a bullet for their kids or do anything for their kids. But think about it for a minute. That is a split decision, um, you know, like empirical thing. Like you are, you're, you're, you're making one last act to be able to die for your child, right? But living healthy for them, that requires work. That requires effort. That requires time. It sometimes requires money to be able to do that. And that is a whole different can of worms. And that's where the personal responsibility comes in. As parents, as teachers, as educators, if we think that our kids aren't looking at us, watching what we do, and quite frankly, judging us and what we do, we're crazy, right? Because they absolutely are, especially in this hypersensitive society that we are today. Everybody's watching every, everybody else and they always have something to say. Sometimes it's not always something very nice, but they have something to say. And, you know, our kids, they try to be nice. They don't want to hurt our feelings. 
Uh, but they're watching and they're going to make their lifelong decisions, uh, especially initially, based on what they see us doing as parents, teachers, educators, coaches. Um, it's really good. It makes a huge difference. And I'm going to use a personal story because, look, I've grown up in a world of health and fitness. Um, you know, my wife, Cindy, is a clinical dietitian. Uh, in a hospital. I mean, our, our whole world revolves around it. But even that being the case, it doesn't mean that you don't sometimes fall off the wagon. And I fell off the wagon in a way that I never would have thought I did. So back in 2019, uh, going into 2020, uh, COVID was starting to rear its head. Uh, work was getting crazy. I, I work in the healthcare world when I'm not in the mindset world. And, you know, I was getting ready to close down the physical location of MindFit. And my stress level was through the roof. I wasn't sleeping good. I was eating terrible. Uh, I was stopping every day for lunch. I was eating junk. I'd stop and get my coffee at the end of the day and I'd get donuts with it. Like it was, it was bad. And how bad it was that in an extremely short amount of time, I gained 25 pounds. Um, now, when you own a gym and when you own a company that's trying to help kids get fitter and you gain 25 pounds uh, because you're not practicing what you preach, that's a big, big problem. And I'm going to tell you the true story of what happened and, and how I um, fixed it. So like most people, I have a favorite pair of jeans and, you know, I hadn't worn them in quite a while. I was either in the MindFit world where I'm in, you know, workout clothes or I was in the work world where I'm in dress clothes. And I went to put on my pair of my favorite jeans. Now, look, I was not oblivious. I knew I had put on a little weight. I tend to put on weight in my face um, and around my midsection. That's usually only where I places I tend to, to put it on. Um, I knew I'd put it a little on and my think line of thinking was always, oh, I'll just, I just got to tighten up a little bit and, and I'll get it right back. Uh, I'll get back to where I need to be. And I went to put on these pair of jeans and they didn't fit. And look, I've, these are like my favorite jeans. I'm like, how did these not fit? I know it had been some, some weeks, but what happened? And I'm like, you know, I wonder what I weigh right now. So I jumped on the scale that we have in our bathroom. Um, and lo and behold, I had gained 25 pounds, which again, stress, eating, not working out properly. Um, you know, it creates a perfect storm of disaster. And I was in shock. And literally made a declaration to myself at that moment, oh, dude, this is not okay. And you have to change this now, starting right now. Not starting Monday, not starting in a week when work is less busy, starting right now. And I went downstairs. Uh, I you know, went into the kitchen. Uh, my wife and all three of my kids were actually in the kitchen around the island, which is a very rare moment in time. And I came down and pretty much made like a declaration to the world. I was like, all right, I've gained a lot of weight. This is not okay. I've, you know, I got to get back to my old ways. 
And interestingly enough, the look on everyone's face, standing around my kitchen island, my wife and my kids included, was not a sign of shock. It was not a sign of laughter or anything like that. It was a pure sign of relief. And my wife later said to me, Mike, we just didn't want to say anything. But we were all seeing it, but we knew how stressed you were. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, I'm trying to be a role model for my kids and for others that I train. And I had fallen so far off the wagon, I could barely see the wagon. So um, I knew exactly what I had to do. Let me tell you something. There's a big difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it, right? Think about that for a minute. We all know the things that we have to do to be in shape, to lose weight, to eat healthier. There's truly no mystery behind it. As an industry, we've created a mystery of, oh, it's so complicated and it's so difficult. It's not, right? We eat healthy, we work out, we exercise, we keep our activity level as high as possible, and we drink lots of water. As crazy as that sounds, right? That's what we need to do. And that was exactly what I did. Step number one, I took soda right out of my diet. Because I had been drinking soda like crazy. And, you know, I am a complete and total soda addict. I had used to drink soda all the time. My wife could not even buy a two-liter bottle of soda. I would drink the whole thing myself in a day. Um, but I knew exactly how to get off of that. And I actually used seltzer, uh, unflavored, unsweetened seltzer. Um, I love it, whether it's LaCroix, whether it's AHA, whether it's, uh, you know, any of them. Um I'm great with seltzer. It's not something I ever liked as a kid, but I use it today because I, quite frankly, don't, you know, me drinking plain water, it's it's tough for me to do, um, to just, you know, stay strict on it and to make sure I get the fluids that I need, I do drink a lot of seltzer. So I made the changes I need to make and make at the time and in a very short amount of time, I got to where I needed to be. But which is great. That's great for me, right? Uh, I got back to where I was. I was healthier. Um, look, it's no surprise. Uh, well, maybe a surprise to you. I don't know if I've shared this at this point, but I have a total hip replacement. Um, I had my hip replaced when I was 22 years old. Um, back when I was 17, I was in a very serious car accident. I broke the ball right off my femur. And I um, originally had a plate, a pin, and four screws put in. But after five years, I developed something called avascular necrosis, and the ball of my femur actually died. Uh, so I had to have it replaced uh, three, four days after college graduation. And um, I still have the same artificial hip that I had, um, even now at the age of 45, when I was, uh, what was I, 21, 22 years old, something like that. Um, so... It was healthier because now my hip didn't have so much weight and torque on that hip. Uh, here's an interesting note, especially if you have a hip replacement. Uh, for every 10 pounds that you gain or extra 10 pounds that you carry, even if you're just carrying something in your hands, it adds 50 pounds per square inch of torque to your hip joint. So when you gain 25 pounds like I did, right, you are 
adding an incredible amount of added stress and torque to that hip joint. So I had to lose the weight. But something else happened. And part of it happened right away, and part of it happened nearly a year later. And it happened with uh, two of my kids, two of my boys. So my oldest, um, you know, he's an athlete. He's a fantastic cross-country runner. He's a fantastic track runner. Um, And that world, you know, he's always working out. He's always doing stuff. My middle child and my youngest, uh, at the time, not so much. Um, My youngest really wanted to. Even when we had MindFit, he would go. He'd do the workouts. He'd do the stuff. He'd work really hard. He'd get really frustrated. Um, And my middle who's now 15, he just had no interest whatsoever. It just wasn't his thing. So I started running. Now you may be thinking, wait, you said you had a hip replacement. Yes. Um, And although I am not a doctor, let me make that very clear. um, When I first had my hip replaced, all the way back in 1998, uh, my doctor told me, don't squat, don't run, uh, don't do any of those things. And guess what? I ran, I squatted, um, I worked legs because I had to keep them strong. I did not want them to get weak because if they did, then you know there were gonna be further problems with my hips. So I had to keep them strong, but I also trained smart. Uh, I didn't train like an idiot, I trained smart. And you know when I started making these changes, I was like, okay, I, I love to run. I was a star cross country runner back in high school. Um, And it's just, even from a mental satisfaction standpoint for me, um, it's something that I do enjoy. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to go for a little run. So I figured, you know, I live on a cul-de-sac. I live in the end of the cul-de-sac. And, you know, it is about uh, 400 meters from my, where I live at the end of the cul-de-sac to the end of my street. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to, just going to run that quick 400 meters. And maybe I'll do 800, maybe I'll do a little more, we'll see. And guess what? From the end of my cul-de-sac, I barely made it to my neighbor's mailbox. That's how bad I had gotten. And I was embarrassed. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. Um, But I was at that fork in the road where one of two things was going to happen. Either I was going to get disgusted and quit. Um, and it's not in me to do that, or I'm going to use this frustration and disappointment and embarrassment for myself at that point and use it as a fire, put a fire under my butt and get going. That's what I did. So running, I went backwards. Running turned into walking. Let me start walking 800 meters to a mile. And I did that and it worked out okay. Uh, it took me a little bit to build up, but I did okay. And I was worried about my hip. I'm not going to lie. I've got, I've got a hip that's, you know, 20 plus years in me. Uh, that's artificial. And, and I was a little worried, but then I started doing almost like an interval training with running. So I'd run to my, my neighbor's mailbox and then I'd walk to the next mailbox and then I'd run to the next one and walk to the next one. And, you know, I was able to get through 400, 800 meters work it up to a mile, work it up to two miles. Um, And now, you know, I tend to run about four days a week and I do about two and a half miles in a shot. So I run about 10 miles. 
Um, I tend to not go longer than that simply for the fact of I really start to feel it in my hip when I do more than two and a half miles. I start doing three mile runs and my hip gets very sore. So I tend not to do that. Um, so I was running. And here's where the other change that I didn't expect to happen happened. My youngest, who at the time was 11 or 11, um, who always wanted to work out, he got really frustrated with it. He asked me one day if he could come and run with me. And honestly, he couldn't run much further than I could. Um, he struggled as well. But uh, we, we stuck with it. And my wife, who had been a runner for a long time, she, you know, it was all we could do to even keep her, you know, in line of sight when we would go for a run because she was so much faster than us. And then I noticed I started to get a little faster on my mile split times. Nothing groundbreaking, but faster. I was seeing improvement. But I saw something else too. I was seeing that same yet faster improvement in my son. And next thing I know, he was running with me every day that I ran. And then we would run and we would do a workout in the evening. Nothing crazy. Then we would run and we'd start lifting uh, in the evening. And next thing you know, we're five, six days a week in every week where many days we're doing double sessions. Uh, and granted, this was during COVID, so we had the time to do it. Everything was shut down. The world had kind of stopped at that point. Work was crazy for me, but, you know, I would go in a little bit later so I could run in the morning. And when I get home at night, our focus was on fitness. And back in May of 2021, when I was, you know, rocking and rolling in the fitness world, doing really well, back in May, I, uh, something else happened. So there's a workout that is done in the CrossFit world quite a bit on Memorial Day called Murph. And it is to honor the legacy of uh, Michael Murphy, who was a Navy SEAL. Um, and essentially the workout is you do a one mile run and you do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and another mile run. And, on and I've done them in the past, but again, I had fallen off that wagon. So I said to my youngest on Memorial Day weekend, let's do a half a Murph, which means you do the way we did it. We did a sort of half Murph. We did a one mile run, then only 50 pull ups, 100 push ups, 150 air squats and a one mile run. And we did great. We felt good. I was so happy of how far I had come and how I was so much better. And then we kind of made a decision that weekend and we're like, you know what? Why don't we do this every weekend? Like every weekend, why don't we just do some version of Murph, whether it's a full Murph or it's a half Murph or it's a half Murph with some extra stuff in it. Let's do this as many weekends as we can for the entire summer season going into fall. And we started doing that. And we would add ab mats or sit-ups to it. We would add cleans to it or kettlebells or plate ab mats or Russian twists. We'd, we'd start adding stuff, 100 here, 150 there, 50 of this, worked out great. And here we are getting in better and better shape. And again, something that I did not expect happened. Um, my middle, who's now 15, um, he says one day, would you guys mind if I did Murph with you? And he had not been working out at all, nothing whatsoever. And I said to myself, 
ah, oh, he's going to struggle and, you know, it's going to be difficult. And we had asked him before if he wanted to join us. His answer was always no. But he began to see what was normal, what became normal every weekend for us to do. It was a version of Murph. And he, um, he joined us that day. And he did about an 800-meter run, did about a half-a-mile run, and then he did the half-Murph part. So instead of pull-ups, he did ring rows, and then he did push-ups, and then he did air squats. He did 50, 100, 150, and then another 800-meter run. And it was hard. It was really hard for him to the point where he was really grouchy afterwards because he was just exhausted, and it was a lot. But guess what happened the following weekend? When we were getting ready, when me and my youngest were getting ready to do our version of Murph, I asked Jason, I said, hey, do you want to join us? And his answer was yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it with you. And he did about the same workout again as he did the previous time. But at the end of the workout, he didn't look nearly as bad. And then we did it again. We did it again. And then for 4th of July, we did a full Murph. And he did it with us. And guess what? And I am proud to say this. He beat me. He was faster than I was. And now when I run with my youngest and we do our two and a half miles in the morning, we already did it this morning. We do it before school, um, before work. I can barely keep him in line of sight anymore. Um, he is growing at the same time as he was leaning down. And, you know, this little boy is now kicking his dad's butt every time he runs. And is it embarrassing and frustrating? Actually, no. And here's why. Because I'm doing it. I'm getting it done. I'm doing what I have to do. Um, and more than anything, he is now inspired to be able to do it with me. Um, and as a dad, it's the best feeling in the world. But I truly believe that neither one of them would have taken that step if there hadn't been personal responsibility on myself to be able to get going and do this. I mean, I remember years ago, and again, I work in a hospital system, uh, meeting with a pulmonologist who, you know, pulmonologists are, are lung doctors, who was a smoker. Now think about this for a minute, right? We want our kids to be healthy, just like a doctor wants their patient to be healthy. But if you are also a smoker and your pulmonologist tells you, you really need to stop smoking, but you know they're a smoker, does that pulmonologist, when it comes to the world of personal responsibility, have any credibility with you whatsoever? Probably not. If anything, it probably vindicates for you. Why are you smoking that? It's okay because, oh, heck, my doctor smokes too. This was many, many, it was 10 years ago that, that I ran into this situation. And I'm not a smoker, but there was a pulmonologist who was a smoker. And I never understood how he could possibly be successful in his profession if he did the one thing that destroys a person's lungs more than anything else. But we have to take that personal responsibility to be able to lead our kids forward, right? Our kids spend six plus hours a day in school. And if you're a working parent, um, 
you know, the school sees our kids more than we do in many cases. Uh, because once they get home, they have their activities or they're going to watch TV or they're going to, you know, play on video game. Those things are going to happen. But we have to be the role models. Um, it's the same thing if you're a gym teacher. And I talk about this in the book, The MindFit Method. Um, you have to, um, you know, if someone is coaching fitness and you're having kids do workouts, whether it's in school, after school, at home, whatever it is, don't write workouts for them and not do the workouts yourself. You can't because you don't know how hard or how easy it is, right? Um, and if they're going to listen to you and respect you, you have to be able to respect yourself and be able to do those workouts yourself. Even if you do them by yourself, you've got to start somewhere. Um, so if you're one of those people that, you know, wants to wants their kids to be healthier and you know make great decisions that way and eat healthy and exercise and work out and there's never been a better time to do it ever especially with you know now that the world of covid has erupted um you know it covid targets people that are out of shape that are unhealthy um everyone talked about pre-existing conditions Guys, I'm going to be honest, the mother of all pre-existing conditions is obesity. Um, so, you know, take that step and, you know, you've got to be able to start. You've got to be able to do what's right for you in order to tell your kids what's right for them. And look, I also know how difficult it is in our busy lives as parents, teachers, educators, coaches, whoever you may be. I know how busy life is. But this is a true story. And again, it falls to uh, personal responsibility and setting your priorities and, and making a change. So I, years ago, I had someone new come in that um, in addition to MindFit, I also had an adult program called Body Fit Elite. And I you know, used to do trial classes and I would do introduction training sessions and things like that for for new people that wanted to come in and maybe hadn't worked out before. And this woman comes in, um, you know, her goal was she wanted to lose about 20 pounds. She wanted to be healthier. She wanted to do all these things. And in the end, she did not wind up joining. And she didn't join anywhere else either because she simply told me that she did not have time. Her day was too busy. She couldn't make a commitment. She didn't have time. And we're going to jump into this time thing in the world of, you know, perfection, um, in the world of fitness, uh, in the next episode, kind of part two to this, but here's why it's funny. Right after I did her trial class, she friended me on Facebook and again, she didn't join the gym because she didn't have time. When you read her Facebook posts, they were usually about how busy her life was and how she never had time for her. But here's what's funny. The day that I called her to say, hey, are you gonna come on board? Are you ready to make the commitment? What are you looking to do? She told me she didn't have time. Her Facebook post that night said this. It said, can anyone make a recommendation of a new Netflix series to binge? I've run out of things to watch. 
Think about that for a minute. She told me she didn't have time, but she wanted recommendations on a show to binge, which requires what? Requires time um, from others. So time was not the issue that she was facing. Priorities were. And you have to make a priority. No one is going to make your body and your health a priority greater than you. No one. Not your doctor. Not your spouse. No one is going to make that a greater priority than you. And it is going to require time and effort on your part. There's no lie about that. You know, why do you think so many exercise programs are so successful when they say, oh, you know, seven minute abs or only work out for eight minutes a day? That's because they're playing on our emotion that we don't have time. We do have time. We do. We just have to decide whether or not we want to make it a priority. And what we may not have is the time to make it perfect. But that is a whole different situation. And that is actually what we're going to dive into in the next episode. So I hope you guys like this episode. If you did, please give it a like. And if you think it would help someone else, especially if they're struggling in their minds with time or priorities, or their kids really need a role model and someone to be able to look up to that is living a you know, healthy lifestyle, please share it on your social media with them. Every time you guys share one of our episodes, it helps our mission of getting this information out to as many people as possible. So I hope you guys have a fantastic day. And until the next episode where we touch on the world of perfection, I'm going to sign off for now. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Take care.